Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Anaya Falcon. Many are familiar with popular Marvel and DC superheroes like Iron Man, Captain America, Batman, Catwoman, and more. But there's a new superhero on the scene that is representing the Puerto Rican and Hispanic communities, Labyrinth Kenya. This superhero is used to tell stories about Puerto Rico's history, present-day social and environmental issues, and celebrate the diversity and cultures within the Puerto Rican community. Joining us to discuss the new graphic novel superhero, its impact on the community, and the upcoming Pennsylvania College of Art and Design Labyrinth Kenya exhibit and programming is Eduardo Miranda Rodriguez, award-winning graphic novelist and creator of Labyrinth Kenya, and Alex Schufle, director of exhibit exhibitions at Pennsylvania College of Art and Design. Edgardo and Alex, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is a great opportunity to share the work that we've been um, involved in for the past few months, Alex and I and everyone at, at PCAD, and very excited to bring our work to the Lancaster area for all to enjoy. Yes, I'm excited to hear about it. So, Edgardo, tell me a little bit about your childhood and how you gained a passion for art. I grew up in New York City in an impoverished community of the South Bronx. Storytelling from comic books were my escape. I collected bottles and cans and exchanged them for nickels and dimes to save up enough money to buy these comics. And I didn't know at the time of my childhood that I could visit museums for suggested donation or even free galleries. So my introduction to the storytelling form of comic books was through newsstands, was through local comic book shops. And that infused me with this love of sequential art storytelling. This is the genre, this is the art form. Sequential meaning a sequence of illustrated images that come together to tell a story. For example, Mike Hawthorne, who's also a Rican heritage at PCAT is a professor there, an adjunct professor, and he actually teaches sequential art at PCAD. So this exhibition celebrates the sequential storytelling that comes from the graphic novel series La Borinquena, and it's a connection to my childhood's love of storytelling as well. And you also witnessed discrimination that the New Yorkians were subjected to in the 70s and 80s. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I grew up in marginalized communities and there were documentaries and stories that were produced around the time referring to the South Bronx as the era of burning. The South Bronx is burning. I survived a tenement that was actually um, burned by arsonists. And this wow. was the reality for many migrants from Puerto Rico 
Um, there are 6 million of us living across the United States, uh, a few hundred thousand alone in, in New York City, but there are pockets throughout the Northeast where you find large Puerto Rican communities like Lancaster. And for generations, many Puerto Ricans came to the United States because of our citizenship. Many people aren't aware that as Puerto Ricanos, under the Jones Act, we have been U.S. citizens for 124 years now, going on 125 this year. And that U.S. citizenship allows us the flexibility of traveling back and forth, just like we could travel from Lancaster to Philadelphia to Austin, Texas. That uh, citizenship allowed uh, many of us to travel back and forth. So the childhood that I had was very reflective of many migrants who came to the United States in search of work under the initiative that was uh, started by the U.S. government, Operation Bootstrap, that ran from the 1940s through 60s, what you saw were hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricanos who came to the United States, close to a half million. But that number has not actually been surpassed up until recently. The current 2020 Census Bureau revealed that between 2010 and 2020, the mainland population of Puerto Rico dropped by 750,000. And that's due to the economic crisis. That's due to Hurricane Maria. Not since Operation Bootstrap have you seen such a massive migration. So what we're going to see over the next few day, decades is a significant cultural and political shift here in the United States. In the United States, for example, many of us like myself come from a generation through the 40s and 60s who migrated to Puerto Rico throughout the United States, including Lancaster itself. Lancaster has actually witnessed over the last 10 years and as a significant increase of Puerto Rican um, who are now living in the US for the very first time. And so the work that we're doing through this graphic novel series allows us to celebrate, to connect through this fictional storytelling. It's a popular cultural and art form that's been around since uh, the early 1900s with the first successful ongoing superhero series, Joe Schuster and Joe Siegel's Superman that is published to, to this day, a series that was created by two Jewish American writers and artists. And our work is reflective of this history of sequential art, this history of comic book storytelling. And as a Puerto Rican myself, who was born here in the United States and raised here, I still have a connection to my heritage and I still have a connection to my identity. But this storytelling allows us the opportunity to introduce a hero into this mainstream superhero space that says that she too can be a hero for others. You see Captain America's blonde blue eyed um, Besides, isn't a character that simply represents those who are blonde and blue-eyed. He's considered the everyman. He's considered a hero for everyone. Just as T'Challa, a superhero who comes from the fictional country of Wakanda, is now finally, because of the success of these films, celebrated as the every hero that many people. And our hope is with the storytelling through our graphic novels, La Borinquena as well can be a symbol, a hero that can be seen for many others outside of the Puerto Rican, outside of the Latinx community, but more into the mainstream space of superhero storytelling. So tell me more about Labyrinth Kenya and the, the, the series and the powers that she possesses. So her powers are drawn from Taino mysticism, the mysticism that is connected to the indigenous peoples of the Caribbean islands that go as far north as Cuba to as far south as the Bahamas, part of what is referred to as the uh, Greater Antilles of the Caribbean islands. The Tainos are the indigenous peoples who believed in a cosmology, who believed in a mythology where the supreme being was actually a woman. Uh, and they refer to their goddesses and gods as semis, atabeks, 
imbues La Borinqueña, in this case, Marisol Rios de la Luz, with elemental powers that come from her sons, the two semis, Yukahu, the semi of the seas and the mountains, and Urakang, the seas of the elemental forces of, of winds, storms, hurricanes. The word hurricane itself is actually a Taino word, Urakang. So her powers involve the ability of flight because she can manipulate wings, winds, superhuman strength because her strength comes from the seas and, and then the mountains. And as a storyteller, I created a mythology around her very star itself, a crystal star that allows her the opportunity to open portals, to open wormholes, to allow her to communicate with these semis through uh, uh, an exchange of knowledge, an exchange of, of, of powers, rather. And the graphic novel itself was inspired by my understanding that there was an underrepresentation in mainstream media, a discourse around what was really happening in Puerto Rico. At the time when the idea came to me in 2015, then Governor Padilla had announced that Puerto Rico had amassed an $80 billion debt that was unpayable. And this was endemic to the island's continued colonial status, which we obviously became very aware by the new bill that, that was passed um, by the, by the um, by Congress in terms of the Puerto Rico Status Act. And now we're waiting for the House to, to finally, um, rather the Senate to vote on it. This conversation of addressing Puerto Rico as the colony, the world's oldest colony, is part of the reason why the comic book series was actually created. To enter into the space of mainstream storytelling, to engage people in an actual discourse about a real people, and in also embracing superhero storytelling in a fun way. You know, superheroes are inspired by mythologies. Um, Norse, Greek, Roman. The Bible itself inspired the creation of Superman. He is literally Moses. So in creating La Borinquena, we drew a lot of reference and, and um, reverence even from our own um, Puerto Rican heritage identity, and in this case, a Taino. But also understanding the reality of the 500 years of the Puerto Rican identity that is also infused with our African heritage because Africans were enslaved in the Caribbean and in the Americas, and a part of our heritage also has our Africanness, and that is why the character herself is an Afro-Latin um, superhero. She's Black, but she's a mixture of these different heritage and cultures, but her appearance is that of a Black woman. So she's an Afro-Latina who is connected to her superpowers through her Taino ancestry, and her adventures are now in these books that have now been published for the last seven years into our fifth book that we just published last year. And in just about a minute, tell me a little bit about the meaning behind Labrinquena for those who don't know, and also uh, just a short synopsis of the storyline. So Labrinquena comes from the original name of the island of Puerto Rico. For those who don't speak Spanish, Puerto Rico literally translates to rich port. Mm -hmm. This is what the Spaniards referred to the island because of the resources, the gold that was available and, and was literally purged from Puerto Rico. But the original name that the Tainos gave their island was Borinquen, land of the noble creator. So the word La Borinquena would literally translate to the Puerto Rican woman. And it comes from the indigenous language spoken by the Tainos. The storyline of La Borinquena centers around a character, a 19-year-old college student, an undergraduate who is an environmental studies student at Columbia University, who visits Puerto Rico to just help out her grandparents. But while there, she comes upon these ancient artifacts, these crystals that when, come, when formed together create a star, open a portal connecting her to the ancient goddesses and gods of Puerto Rico who ask her to become the people's champion. 
And in the midst of this kind of like superhero story, the superhero origin is the reality of what the austerity measures affecting Puerto Rico are. That as a college student, she's witnessing that the school budgets are being cut, faculty are losing their jobs, um, students' uh, tuition are increasing. She's noticing a massive migration because people have lost their homes and have lost their livelihood due to the economy and also due to the reality of environmental and climate change changes affecting the island, rising sea levels, reducing the, the coastal lines, um, the migration of leatherback sea turtles are not coming to Puerto Rico because of the rising coastline. So the story brings in a sense of intersectionality to bring in various topics that range from environmental issues to economy to even the reality of being a student and dealing with this kind of like uh, awakening of their consciousness because most of us when we're growing up as children live under the idea and live under the identity and the culture that we're we're raised through our parents and those of us who have the opportunity to go away to college finally learn about who we actually are on our terms and find that those things that give us a sense of passion or a sense of interest and in the end shape our very identity and this isn't something that escapes the the character of Marisol Rios de la Luz so she finds herself in this space where she has these superhuman powers and she has to deal with the realities of climate change but then she also has to deal with the realities of economic um, corruption and, and how that is disrupting the, the very livelihood of Puerto Rico. Oftentimes in, in, in comic books or in science fictions, you find these as tropes, these kind of like megalomaniacal individuals who are running evil corporations. But in the case of Puerto Rico, this is an actual reality. So Labyrinth Kenya was created uh, after Hurricane Maria and the devastation that took place in Puerto Rico. Can you tell me a little bit about that devastation, Edgardo? Well, actually, the book was published nine months before Hurricane Maria actually hit Puerto Rico. And one of the key points of the first book, spoiler alert, was actually her dealing with a cataclysmic event, a hurricane. Mm -hmm. Dr. Jose Molinille, a revered and celebrated scientist, for many years had been well, let's just say humorously, Puerto Rico's chicken little had been saying for many years that Puerto Rico was on the cusp of two major natural disasters, a hurricane that of, of, the mag of a magnitude that had not been seen since 1918 and a series of earthquakes. Puerto Rico is literally on what is referred to the Atlantic Basin or also the Hurricane Basin. But it's also a few um, miles away from the Puerto Rican Trench, which is the deepest trench on the planet, close to five to six miles deep. And so Dr. Jose Molinier was predicting either cataclysmic hurricanes or cataclysmic earthquakes. As a storyteller, I thought that a hurricane would actually be more visually compelling. So I decided to go with that. Nine months later, the actual hurricane hit Puerto Rico, a reality of, of art imitating life, right? Wow. 4,645 lives were lost as a result of the direct impact of this hurricane, the negligence in dealing with the immediate humanitarian aid. Next, close to 11 months went by where power was still unavailable for most of Puerto Rico's 3 million residents. Over 200,000 Puerto Ricanos were displaced when FEMA relocated them across the United States. We spoke earlier about how 
the 2020 Census Bureau they noted that there's a significant drop in the Puerto Rican population between 2010 and 2020, and Hurricane Maria had a lot to do with that. There are still five years later parts of Puerto Rico that have not yet recovered. There are still homes in Puerto Rico which are completely devastated, where blue tarps are still visibly seen throughout the island. That is why our graphic novel series is quite easily the only graphic novel series published to date that is directly connected to philanthropic work in Puerto Rico. And over the course of these many years since we've been publishing our books, we've raised close to a quarter of a million dollars that we have distributed as micro grants to nonprofit organizations throughout Puerto Rico, organizations that represent many of the very values that the character herself embodies, celebrating and preserving Afro-Puerto Rican heritage, environmental justice, children's um, education and, and, and literacy, women's health and reproductive rights, rights and sustainable farming. So the impact of, of Hurricane Maria has and continues to be felt today. And that is one of the main reasons why we started our, our philanthropic work. And a lot of the reasons why this exhibition at PCAD is so incredibly important it be, is because it helps us take this conversation and through our art across the United States, because there are 6 million Puerto Ricanos living across the United States, but these Puerto Ricanos don't live isolated from other US citizens. They engage in multiracial families and in, 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 in arts communities and business communities and academic communities. So the impact of Hurricane Maria is not directly felt just by Puerto Ricanos, but by those who interact with Puerto Ricanos, the millions if not billions across the United States that have personal connections. We're in conversations, for example, with a museum in um, in, Ari um, in Arizona and their conversation, I'd rather in Oklahoma, and their conversation came from the fact that that museum's curator visited Puerto Rico with her family and she's not even Puerto Rican. And she visited Puerto Rico the year before Hurricane Maria. And her visit was so beautiful that it left her heartbroken to know that the community that she stayed in didn't exist anymore because of the devastation of this storm. Wow. And this conversation is important because oftentimes when you talk about cataclysmic events, the collective consciousness fades after a few weeks. And when th this last fall saw um, Hurricane um, hit Puerto Rico, within a week, the news cycle shifted to the death of, queen, of the Queen of England. And the devastation was still really felt in Puerto Rico. And there were parts of Puerto Rico that were in a blackout while many people were on cue to see the queen's um, de uh, uh, funeral in England, something that was literally happening on the other side of the, the Atlantic Ocean. And this continues to, con con this conversation of how Puerto Ricanos are excluded from, this from the conversation of this American identity and this American experience and our contributions to this um, American culture. And that's why comic books are so important because comic book is such a, uh, an Americana thing. It's something that to this day is exported internationally where many countries reproduce. And that's what we're doing with our book, celebrating our culture through comic book storytelling. Alex, can you talk to me a little bit more about the exhibit? Uh, Edgardo spoke about it a little bit uh, within our conversation, but give us some more details and also talk to us about the programming. Yeah, so thank you so much for having us on today. We are delighted here at PCAD. We are so ecstatic to have um, Edgardo's work here and all of the, the programming that we've been able to build out around this. So the exhibition is in three levels of our gallery. 
You'll start out when you walk in the door. Um, you're greeted immediately by La Borinquena. She's right on our entrance ramp. So you'll see her right as you come in. And you'll be able to walk through um, the exhibition that Edgardo designed, which really tells the story of the La Borinquena store, uh, character kind of right from the beginning and takes you through the books. And if you are, have only tuned in towards the end of this interview, there's an amazing um, video of Edgardo talking about more about the story playing live in the gallery as well for anybody who wants to catch up. And from there, we've decided to do some really amazing programming. We've partnered with our Center for Creative Exploration, the CCE, here at PCAD, and they're designing some classes that are being offered throughout the run of the exhibition that are tied to things like storytelling. They're tied to visual exploration of identity um, for all ages, for young kids all the way up through as old as you are. And you want to come in, we'd love to have you here. But we're really excited about the first program that's happening, and that is Tuesday night starting at 5 p.m., we're opening. Edgardo will be here with us, and we'll also have a phenomenal performance by, let me just grab their name, Los Bombardos de la Cale, which will be a bombos performance in the main atrium, because also January 17th at 5 p.m. is also the time of the end of the day of the first day of classes for PCAD. So we are both celebrating the opening of this phenomenal exhibition and all of the hard work that has gone into it and also celebrating having our students back on campus and here to celebrate with us. Edgardo will give a little bit of a, some remarks. He won't do a full on talk. Our students aren't quite ready yet to launch back into full artist talk programs on the first day, <laughs> which means he's coming back. So Edgardo will be rejoining us again in May, at the end of March. Wow. And how can people get more information about this exhibit? So you can head over to our website, pcad.edu, and we actually have a whole link um, devoted just to La Boren Kenya. So pcad.edu slash la hyphen Boren Kenya backslash, or just go to our homepage and you'll be able to find it from there. Wow. And it's so awesome, the progression that La Boren Kenya has made, um, turning into an action figure and the partnerships with DC Comics and all. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Learn more about today's topics at witf.org slash the spark or make your suggestions for topics to the spark at witf.org. I'm Anaya Falcon. Have yourself a great day. Thank you.